It's a good day to be at church. If you're joining us in person or online, we're so glad that you are here. Would you remain standing with me? I'm gonna read the word with you real quick. And I forgot to tell you my name. My name is Whitney. I'm the Next Gen's director here at True Life. And I am so glad that you are here today. I'm gonna read this word to you from Matthew 5, one to five. It says, this is Jesus talking. And seeing the multitudes, he went up onto a mountain. So Jesus went up onto a mountain. And when he was seated, his, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's God's word. Everybody say amen. <laughs> All right, you can take a seat. Today we have a word for you, and I know God has something incredible to share with you. So today's message is titled, How to Develop Meekness in My Life. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's get meek. All right, that was really weak. Say, turn to your neighbor and say, let's get meek. Get yeah, that's right. Turn to your other neighbor and say, meek ain't weak. Well, that was weak how you said it. Say it again. Meek ain't weak. Good job. Proud of you. Good job. Good job, good job. All right, I need your help. I need your participation today. Everybody likes to participate. Let's do it. Raise your hand if you like sweets. Sweet, sweet things. Okay, I see some really excited people. We take sweets very seriously in my house. We have chocolate, ice cream. I just made muffins, pumpkin muffins last night. It's, it's not a joke in our house. It's, they're always there. And in fact, it's actually, there's a hereditary issue in my family. I don't think it's an issue. Um, my brother, he, he also has a sweet tooth, but he's been trying this new lifestyle thing where he juices two times a day, and then he eats like a really healthy meal. Well, the other day he texted me, and you're about to see the conversation. He texted me and he said, Whitney, I relapsed. I I was like, what? He said, I ate a box of ginger snaps between last night and today. So then it, the conversation continued on. But we like sweet things. And my brother, my mom, my dad, we all do. It's just amazing. It's awesome. Um, so my, we'll pray for my brother. But I told him, like, hey, don't shame yourself. Don't live in shame. It's okay. Everybody, everybody you know, needs a little crunch in their life sometimes. Uh, so... I'm sure if we all took a moment, we could all just really think about some sweet moments that we've experienced in our lives. Maybe it's a sweet moment that maybe your first car when you got married or, or when, you, um, when you had a really funny conversation with a child that's in your family. They just said like something really silly that was just a super sweet moment. Maybe you've just recently experienced a breakthrough or, or you saw a breakthrough in a family member or a friend's life. That's a sweet moment that you experienced. Or maybe you just hit a new goal in the gym. If you're eating sweets, you probably didn't hit a new goal in the gym. But, but maybe you hit a new goal in the gym. But whatever it is, we love sweet moments. And in fact, we all have that in common. We just, we live for sweet moments. Um, and actually in a few weeks, at the end of October, my husband, Jared and I, he looks like Tarzan and Jesus, if you haven't met him yet. Um, but he and I are going to Ireland and we better come back with an accent. I'll be pretty disappointed if we don't. But we're going to Ireland and I'm, I'm certain that we're just gonna have some really sweet moments and it's gonna be awesome. 
And we're really looking forward to that. So if you don't see us, that's we're, we're having some sweet moments in Ireland. So in the book of Matthew chapter 5, which we've just read part of that, we see that Jesus is giving us insight in how to experience and have sweet blessings in our own lives. And he wants to give us these, these sweet blessings. Some people don't think that God wants to bless you. I'm here today to tell you that God wants to bless you. And he, he, he tells us in scripture how we have a blessed life. But he, he talks about it in a little different way. And we don't really, we don't really talk this way, but he talks, about, he talks about meekness. And I don't know about you, I've never gone down Main Street and heard someone say, I really wanna get meek today. Like, I've never heard anyone say that before. So today, what I want to release and really open up a thought for you is that there is sweetness in meekness. And what kind of person would I be if we didn't have sweets in the lobby after service is over? So there's some sweets at the info desk for you so you can enjoy the sweetness and meekness. See what I did there? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there's one thing that I want you to remember, and if you don't remember anything from our time together, I'm a one-point kind of person. I like to take one point from everything that I read. I'm like, what's the one thing? And this is the one thing that I want you to remember is that more meekness in your life, more meekness equals less weakness. Some people don't really understand that, but, but there is a strength in being meek. So more meekness equals less weakness. And my prayer for you, I did a little of praying over this for you this week, but, but I want to pray that you would give permission to the Holy Spirit to begin to develop meekness in your life or continue to cultivate and fan the flame of meekness in your whole life. So I'm going to give you a background in Matthew 5. The background is this. Jesus has gone public and he is beginning his ministry and then he chooses his disciples, which is his followers, if you don't know what that word means. And then Jesus is preaching throughout Galilee. Gives, he gives a sermon on the mount. He pulls his disciples aside. And he's teaching his disciples the attitude and the position of their hearts in order to have a blessed life. And that's the series that we're in right now. And Pastor Perry and Pastor Michael did a phenomenal job at kicking off the first two weeks. If you didn't have a chance to uh, be here with us for First Wednesday this past week or for last Sunday if you weren't here, catch up on that so you can get the most out of this series. If you don't have both of those together, they all build upon each other, and the funny thing is, they're not multiple choice. So, you, you know when you're like at Thanksgiving and you're like, I'll have that, that, oh, she may, I'm not having that, but I'll have that, that, that. That's not what it is with the Beatitudes. They all come together and they all build upon each other. So, so Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does that even mean? So we're going to talk about that today and unpack it a little bit. If you have any background, any history in, um, in understanding scripture, some of this might already make sense to you. But regardless, it's a great refresher for all of us to put a, put a pulse and see how we're doing in meekness, how, where are we at in that department. So... In, in order to understand meekness, we're going to look at what the opposite of meek is, which is pride. So this is haughtiness, this is conceit, uh, boastful, and I'm sure, don't look around, I'm sure we've all had that person in our life that has been 
can see, I'm not trying to ruffle any feathers here, so if you need counseling, please talk to Pastor Perry, we'll get you help. But if, if we all have that person in our life that's been conceited or, or ourselves who have been kind of boastful, we like to talk about ourselves, it's that person that just loves to talk about themselves all the time, and they just love to hear themselves talk. Um, Brian Reagan, he's a comedian, he, he talks about the me monster, how there's me monsters in, in our lives, and you try to tell a story and someone tries to one-up you, like you tell, the, you tell someone, yeah, I got, I got two wisdom teeth pulled, and they're like, well, I got four. And then, you know, you, you go to tell them, you know, something else about your life, and they just try to one-up you all the time, like, yeah, I just got this new car. Yeah, I got a, a I got a, what's that new, the Prius? Is that what it is? Is that what they're called? I don't know cars. Help me. Is that what the Prius? Is that like the cool car nowadays? Yeah. All right. So it's like, like, so, like someone, you tell someone like, yeah, I just got a Ford Taurus. They're like, cool, I got a Prius. So it's that the people that like to one-up you, they're very boastful, conceited. But in Proverbs 16, 18, this may come as a shock, but this is what the Bible says about pride and about being boastful. It says, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I'm sorry to deliver that news to you. Uh, but in James 4, 6, it says that God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So the thing with pride is that it makes us very self-centered. It makes us think that we deserve anything we see, anything we want, anything that we imagine. It makes us think that that, that should be a reality for us. What happens when we have pride residing in our lives is that it develops this desire, this appetite inside of us that's a very greedy desire of it's never enough. You always just want more, more, and, um, and so that's what pride can develop in our lives. I like me a good illustration. I work with children, so we have to use things. But I think adults really like illustrations too. So we're going to do that today. So this is a part of a hose. And um, what happens when we have pride in our lives? I want you to picture this. You're trying to water your garden. You can easily water your garden when it's like this. When there's pride in your life, this is what it's like trying to water your garden. Your, your hose is choked and it, your garden is not going to get the nutrients that it needs. And to put it in a spiritual form for you, if we have pride residing in our lives, our relationship with Jesus will become shallow. And it, and, and, and it really hinders us from going deeper with the Lord. We can still have a relationship with God, but, it, but it's not going to be as flourishing as it could be with pride out of our lives. And I know that we don't want pride living in our lives. We wanna have a flourishing garden. Uh, we wanna be able to have, have fruit in our lives that is prosperous. And, and so we're gonna talk about what the opposite of pride is, which is meekness. Meekness is being humble. Meekness looks like being gentle and lowly. It looks like being tender and considerate and courteous. Another way to put this is that freedom, it's freedom from malice, bitterness, and the desire for revenge. Another way to say this is that meekness is power under control. And it's power under control, under, under God's spirit, not your own spirit, not your own will, but under God's will. So it is a strength 
it's a strength under God's power, which is a, a way stronger power than, than we could ever possess in our lives. So more meekness is less weakness. In the Bible, we can get a clear picture of what humility looks like, who are people in the Bible that display humility. And the first person we actually sang about, um, he was in one of the songs, um, it, it was Moses. And in Numbers, it talks about how Moses was one of the meekest people of all. He really, he was not a self-righteous person. He was very humble. Um, in fact, he, he, he didn't think very highly of himself. He was very humble. And, and that's why scripture says that, that he was viewed as one of the most meekest uh, people on the face of the earth. Um, the earth is pretty big, so... Moses, that's a pretty big deal that Moses was acknowledged in that way. We also see in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 that Jesus is referring to himself in a characteristic of being meek. And, and Jesus, Jesus isn't described a ton in scripture. And he doesn't talk about himself, I should say, in this manner. But he does describe himself as being meek. He says this, come to me and I will give you rest. All of you who work so hard beneath a heavy yoke, wear my yoke, for it fits perfectly. And let me teach you, for I am gentle and humble. And you shall find rest for your souls, for I give you only light burdens. This is a great scripture. If you're someone who is, is powering through and working through anxiety, or maybe you're restless, this is a scripture that I would encourage you to take with you as you go into your week. Um, we're not here today to just be hearers of the word, to be doers of the word. And so um, if you are someone that, that wrestles with anxiety, this scripture, this reminds us that we can receive rest in Christ and he wants to give us rest. And he even, he's even is indicating that those who are meek do have rest. So that's something that we can gather from this scripture. And on a sidebar, right now I'm in school, and we learned about what it looks like to meditate on scripture. And I, I always thought that was kind of like this far, near, kind of, I didn't really understand it. And um, if, you, if there's a time in, in your week where maybe you just, you're not able to have the time with Jesus that you really want to, but you have five or ten minutes, you can meditate on scripture. You can take this scripture, and you can read it. But what you're doing is you're not thinking about groceries. You're not thinking about the homework assignment that you have. You're just resting and you're looking at the scripture and you're asking God to show you what, what you need from the scripture. Um, so just pick, try not to overwhelm yourself or if you're new to trying to learn to read the Bible, just pick one scripture, maybe on you version, and just sit in it for five minutes. Um, we all have five minutes where we, you know, can scroll and look at, you know, social media or something. So use that time instead to just meditate on God's word because it transforms our hearts for the best. So the, the, the cool thing about meekness is that it, it's referred to in Colossians about we need to put it on. So almost it's like referred to putting on clothing. So you came here today. Um, thank you for putting clothes on. Uh, everybody, everybody came here. You put your shoes on. You've got, you know, your shirt, your, um, your pants. And, and so just like you put on what you wore today, you put on meekness. It's an, it's, it's an action. It's, it's, it requires action. And, um, and so this is what Scripture says in Colossians 3.12. It says, 
Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. The thing about meekness is that it not only challenges us outside of our homes, putting it on, challenges us outside of our homes, but it challenges us when we're inside of our homes because we don't always want to be meek in moments where people annoy us. And if you have siblings or you have, you know, beautiful children that are just precious, but sometimes they just can't get on your nerves. Um, but they are a gift from God. They truly are. But it can be in those moments hard to put on meekness. And so this isn't something easy. This is something that Jesus challenges us to do. And it's the absolute opposite of what the world and what your flesh tells you to do. Your flesh tells you to act in anger and rage. The world tells you to respond harshly and to be rude. But Jesus says to be lowly, be tender, be compassionate, be considerate towards people. So this is not an easy thing. And Jesus, Jesus is always <laughs> counterculture to the world. He says things like this. He says that the greatest among you is last says that in Matthew 19:30, but many who are first will be last and the last first. I don't know about you, but when people ask me like, "Hey, how are you doing today?" I'm not really like, "I'm last first. I'm last first. How you doing?" But that's what Jesus is saying that that those who are the greatest among us are last. It's choosing the worst seat on the bus, or it's, it's allowing people at the buffet at Bob Evans to go in front of you. Let them go. I don't know why I said Bob Evans. I haven't been there in a while. Is there even a buffet at Bob Evans? No? Okay, I don't know. Um, but Jesus says things like this. He says, you will have a more fulfilling life when you serve. In Matthew 23, 11, it says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Then he says that you will gain when you give up in Mark 8:35. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will save will for my sake and for the gospel will save it. So he's telling us the exact opposite of what the world tells us and he tells us in 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 Mark 12:30 to 31 these two things if 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 Jesus if Jesus were to tell us what the most two important things were to him, it's these two things. And everything flows through them when it comes to the commandments that he gave us, which are our, our boundaries and are helpful for us to know how to, how, to, how to show him that we love him and to put him first. He says these two things are the most important to him. Love God and love people. So if he's telling us in, in Mark that loving God and loving people are so important, this is so important to Jesus that we position our hearts to being meek. Even though it's hard, it's not the first response for ourselves, but he's saying, I know that, but this is pleasing to me. This is what, not, not that it's about being blessed because it's wonderful to be blessed, but it's, it's more blessed to be a blessing to God and, to, and to, to honor him with our lives. So he's saying, blessed are the meek. And I don't know what maybe you walked in with today. Maybe you've had conversations with people in your family or, uh, or maybe, maybe 
conversations at school or at work that have really rubbed you the wrong way. And maybe, maybe today this is a great reminder to put on meekness, just like Colossians talked about. Take off, take off the anger, take off the pride, and instead put on meekness, which is a, which is a sign to Jesus that when we, when we choose that, we can't do it in our own power, by the way, we'll get to that, but, but when we put that on, it's a sweet aroma to Jesus. He loves that when we choose meekness, we choose humility. In James 1.21, it, it talks about how there's just so much wickedness in our world. It says, it says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So we know there's too much wickedness in our world. There's too much destruction. There's too much disunity that's happening in our world. And the way that we fight it, the way that we combat it, is through humility, so in those moments when there's a fight, there's rude comments, there's manipulation, there's harsh words, there's terrible driving, you insert, you insert this, you insert being humble. I don't know why they're in such a rush, but go ahead, Linda, go ahead, you can go. It's being gentle when your child keeps making the same choice over and over again, it's saying, I love you. It's giving them a hug. It's, it's being gentle in your response to them. And I know I, that's not an easy thing to do, but this is, what, this is, this is the way to, to a blessed life, is responding and being gentle and being lowly. Uh, it's being tender, it's being considerate, and it's being courteous. So there's, there's a slide that's going to come up on the screen, and it shows us the differences between pride and humility. And, and what's about to happen is we're going to look at them, and before you start reading, hold tight, before you start reading, what I want you to do is just begin to, as I read them off to you, begin to process in your mind. Don't think for the person next to you or family members that should be here in this room. Think for yourself. Um, but think through what are areas that, that you recognize that there is pride in your life because, hey, we're all here. We all, we all deal with this in our lives, but it can manifest and look different. So, so begin to just process through that, and I'm going to walk you through what to do with it next after we process through it. So pride focuses on other failures. And this one's, this one's not on here, but I would submit this to you. Pride also comes in the form of thinking about yourself all the time. Overthinking how, how you may have handled a situation and just constantly thinking about yourself and just feeling honestly like you're imprisoned by your own choices and just your own mind and just thinking about yourself. That can look like pride. It's being self-righteous, overly critical, finding fault. It looks at their life through a telescope but others with a microscope. It looks down at those who aren't as spiritual or committed as they are. It thinks they know who is truly proud and truly humble. It thinks everyone is privileged to have them involved. So now that we've read through that part, what I want you to do, don't read ahead, what I want you to do is begin to allow yourself to to just notice, okay, that, that's an area, that's an area that I can identify with. Um, 
And, and what Jesus does, Jesus comes to give us life and life abundantly. So if you're experiencing any condemnation, um, that's not from the Lord. What, what Jesus does, he gives a gentle nudge and he, he says, hey, I want you to work on that. Okay, so that's what, that's what I want you to do is I want you to just identify it. We're going to talk about later what you're going to do with, with that pride. Uh, but this is what humility looks like. This is what putting on humility is. It's realizing how far you fall short and have overwhelming sense of your need to grow. It's being compassionate and forgiving. It looks for the best in others. And I am so thankful. This is something that my church family has taught me here is how to look at the best in other people. Because I didn't come from an environment where, um, I didn't come from an environment where, um, where we, we necessarily focused on that all the time. It's not that we didn't think the best of other people. We just didn't necessarily focus on it. Um, so I don't want to dishonor or anything like that. But that's just not what we focused on. And I'm very grateful because my church family has taught me how to, how to look at people with different eyes. And um, I'm very thankful for Pastor Perry. He's taught me that too of, you know, people aren't always out to get you. Uh, and, and just thinking through the lens of, hey, maybe they had a bad day. Maybe they said what they said because they're dealing with something and they're just portraying it onto you. Um, so it, it's, it's realizing the best in others and looking at, looking at them with, with um, the best it seeks to win people, not arguments. It seeks to win people, not arguments. I don't think we like that one, but it's on here. <laughs> it realizes only God knows a person's true motive. It leaves the judgment of the heart in God's hands. It thinks that they don't deserve opportunities that God gives them. So that's what putting on humility looks like. It's thinking the best of others. It's, making, it's putting yourself and putting yourself lower and thinking the best of others. And, uh, and so that's what, that's what humility looks like. And, and since we all already accomplished in our time together that we all want to have sweet lives, we all want to have the blessings and the sweetness in life, we have to now ask the question of how do we, how do we have meekness in our lives. What does that even look like? It's a cute, it's a cute verse, but what does it look like? And the first way that it looks, it looks like this. It, it looks like having a repentant heart because it, it's, it's not okay that I walk in pride. It's not okay. Um, it's not okay that I judge people or say harsh things and it's being repentant and it's saying, Hey, I need to talk to you. I was wrong. And it's hard to say those words. But that is, what, that is what a humble person does. Uh, I love what some of the parents here have taught me too is that they can say, I'm sorry. When, when their child, when they do something wrong and they say to their child, I'm sorry, I messed up, I didn't, I didn't do that right. Or when, or when just in general there's humility in a relationship, it's beautiful to watch that because Jesus loves that. This, this is an illustration here that I want to show you of what repentance looks like. So this is Jesus. This is the cross. And he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So right here, this, is, this represents our life. And inside of it is the burdens that we have, the burdens of pride that are in our lives. And this is what repentance looks like. This is Jesus, I recognize right now in this moment, 
that I think of myself that I am above other people and saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. And, and I mean it, Jesus, this isn't, this isn't right that I, that I act like I'm better than other people. I give that to you, Jesus. I stole these from the preschoolers, by the way. Don't tell them. It's saying, Jesus, I focus so much on other people's failures. I'm going to give that to you. Give me a second. My burdens are really deep. And I don't remember what I wrote on them. (laughs) It's saying, Jesus, I keep looking down on other people. And I'm going to give that to you. And all the other burdens, all the other, whether it's pride or not, it's just repenting of it. It's saying, Jesus, I give it to you. And in return, he promises to give us a lighter yoke. So our, our bucket in life isn't as heavy. He gives us rest. So after we've repented, Galatians 5 talks about fruits of the Spirit, and one of those fruits of the Spirit is meekness. And it's, it's receiving, having a receptive, a receptive heart of receiving that spirit of meekness. So we've rebuked, we've repented that spirit of pride, and now we're receiving a spirit of meekness. And then after we receive the spirit of meekness, we respond. We make a response. The Bible talks about, in James, about being doers of the word, not just being hearers of the word. Our faith does grow and build by hearing the word of God, but it continues to grow. We can't can't just stop there. We're forced to be doers of the word because we can't. We just can't hold it in anymore. We can't hold back what Jesus is doing in our lives. So it forces us to respond. And maybe your response looks like getting baptized on October 23rd. Maybe it's you saying, Jesus, I'm responding in this way because I've already committed my life to you. But now I want to I wanna go all in. I want to make it public with my church family. Or maybe your response is joining the dream team. Or maybe your response, and this isn't a ploy, this isn't me trying to get you to do something, it's me trying to show you that God wants to do more in your life because he doesn't just give you something and just he he doesn't want you to just hold it all for yourself. He wants you to share what you have. So there's a response and you need to, I would encourage you, I'm not gonna tell you you need to, I would encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, what should my response be right now? Do I need to be getting in community? Am I doing life alone? What is it, Jesus? What should I, what should I be doing? And he'll tell you. Mother Teresa has a humility list. I'm not gonna go through all of them. She has like 15 of them, but I'm gonna, I picked a few of them that really show us what meekness, what putting on meekness looks like. And so I want you to hear them. They're not gonna be up on the screen. But it says, speak as little as you possibly can about yourself. Keep busy with your own affairs and not those of others. Accept small irritations with good humor. Do not dwell on the faults of others. 
Accept content being forgotten and disregarded with ease. Be courteous and delicate, even when provoked by someone. Do not seek to be admired or loved. Give in in discussions, even when you're right. Even when you're right. Choose always the more difficult task. So more meekness. Do you guys remember it? Good job, good job. Is less weakness. More meekness is less weakness. On the second part of that scripture, Jesus is talking about this inheritance, this inheritance of a new earth. And this is what Jesus is referring to. When he says, when he says that, that they will inherit the earth, he says that those who forgo worldly power will be rewarded with an inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. So in the kingdom of heaven, there are rewards. And it's incredible. I love rewards. Like we have so many apps on our phone that we get like we rack up rewards and it's great. Like I'm sure we could buy 60,000 Chick-fil-A sandwiches with all the rewards we have. But these rewards are heavenly rewards and we can experience it in our lives right now. And one of those is, is when you have an uncommon security. And this can look like you not feeling like you need to prove yourself all the time. Come on, that sounds good. Not feeling like you have to prove yourself to people that are around you. You have an uncommon security because this world has nothing to offer you. And you're just resting in knowing that God is in control. That's what that uncommon security looks like. And then the other reward is having a higher perspective it has a, you have a higher perspective. You're not, you're not involved in getting angry. You're not going to stir up drama because you're harnessed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember there's a scripture that talks about how a soft, a soft answer turns away wrath, which reminded me of a story. I say a story, but a situation that happened at the airport. I was traveling last month, and there was airport drama. Does anybody like airport drama? So I saw some airport drama going down and this lady just tucked herself into a line and there's so many, I don't know if anyone's been to the airport recently, bless you if you work for an airline, uh, but there was just this huge line and people are like, they were about to bow up. I called Jared, I was like, I think there's a fight that's about to happen. And it was, it was about to get, it was about to be a cray cray. And, um, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment, as silly as that, that sounds, that he spoke to me. And as everyone else is making this big ordeal, yelling at this lady, the Holy Spirit said, mm-mm, don't worry about it. You're all going to the same place. Now, it didn't make it right what she did, but the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and giving me a higher perspective that I don't need to get involved in that. It's, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. So Jesus can give us a higher perspective when we lead a life of meekness. In James 4.10, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So humbling yourself before God means that you know that your worth comes from God. It comes from him alone and nobody else. It doesn't come from your job. It doesn't come from your spouse. It doesn't come from your friends at school. It doesn't come from the income that you have. Your security comes from knowing that your worth is found in God. More meekness is less power. 
I mean, that's wrong. That's wrong. Cut that out. That was a, tr that was a trick. I was tricking you. More meekness is less weakness. Uh, I want to paint this picture for you. And it's a picture of a child playing outside, and they're having a blast, and, and they're on their bike, and they're like, hey, mommy, daddy. They're having a great time, and all of a sudden, the child falls off their bike, scuffs their arms, scuffs their knees, they're bleeding, and they need help. And the child, out of need, raises their hands and says, Mommy, Daddy, I need you. I'm in pain. Help me. The parent rushes to the child and meets the child right on the ground, leans down and says, Baby, I'm with you. What do you need? Let me hug you. Let me hold you. Kisses the wounds. Gets them all cleaned up. And that's a picture of what Jesus does for us. He doesn't have to, but it's because he loves us and he wants us and he yearns. He's a jealous God. He yearns for a relationship with us. And he says in John 3, 16 that he came, that God came, he, his one and only son came, that we should not perish but have eternal life. He wants us and he is such a good heavenly father that not only does, does he meet us right where we're at, but he gives us a blessed life. He gives us an inheritance when we, when we take on these attitudes, this perspective of life that he encourages us to have. So he wants us to have a blessed life. He wants the best for you. And I don't know what you walked in with, maybe a perspective that you've had about who Jesus is, but I'm here to remind you today that, that Jesus loves you. He wants you. And if you haven't made a decision in your life to put your faith and your trust in Jesus, I'll tell you what, it's the best decision you will ever make in your entire life. When I was 14 years old, I gave my life to Jesus at a conference. And ever since that day, my life has never been the same. He gave me a security and he gave me a hope for my future. And in the midst where I felt tortured by all the thoughts that I had in my heart, Jesus came alongside me and he said that, that he loved me, that he would be my rock. And I just will never forget the hope and, and the certainty and the security that I had in that moment and the sweetness that was in that moment. And so if you haven't made that decision today, it would be my joy and honor to walk you through that. You just close your eyes and you just say, or keep them open, whatever you want to do. You just say, Jesus I repent. I've been doing my life all by myself without you. And today I choose to let you into my life. I want to walk with you. I want you to talk with me and, and teach me what I, what I need to know to have a fulfilled life, a life that follows after you. And Jesus, I declare my dependency on you. You are my savior. My job isn't my savior. My spouse isn't my savior. My school friends aren't my saviors. You are my savior, Jesus. And so today and from this day forward, I choose to serve you and only you. In Jesus' name. If you made that decision today, Pastor Perry will be up in just a moment to get you all set up on, on what to do from that point forward. But I'm gonna pray over you. Just continue to position your hearts towards the Lord. Just Keep a soft heart towards him. That's what he loves. He can't, can't work with hard hearts. He needs soft hearts. So position your heart to be soft. 
and close your eyes. If, if, if today you recognize, hey, this, this really hit me. I'm closing my eyes too. This isn't for me to know, like, did I do a good job? This is, this is you and your moment with Jesus. If you had a moment where you just said, I, I'm, I, I need to put on meekness. Pride has been taking up too much of my life and, and I need to repent and lay it down. If that's you, with both of your hands raised as a sign of surrender to Jesus, just begin to talk to Jesus and say, I recognize it, Jesus. I repent of it. I'm disgusted of that. And today I choose to put on meekness. Meek, more meekness is less weakness. And so I put that on today, Jesus. I choose to follow you and you alone. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for your grace and your mercy, and I receive more meekness. And however you want me to respond, Jesus, you're gonna show me that. Whether it's serving somebody outside of these four walls or, or a conversation that happens at work, I'm ready to just respond, Jesus. Guard my tongue. Help me, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. It's in your name, I pray. Amen. Amen, church.